It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And John McClain joins us now on the phone lines to talk all things NFL. And, John, we do appreciate you. We've talked a lot of Deshaun Watson every time you come on each and every week, it seems like. And I realize his disciplinary hearing has just got wrapped up. It looks like it's going to continue tomorrow. What is the latest and the greatest that you're hearing on Deshaun Watson? Well, there's no way they were going to get that ironed out one day. I don't think it'll be ironed out this week. It's a, um, it's a holiday weekend. Things generally don't get done on holiday weekend unless they want a news dump on Friday night. And that's not going to happen here. The way the collective bargaining agreement is set up, Lisa Friel from the NFL, her, she and her investigative department had an investigation of more than 15 months. Then they presented all the evidence to Sue Robinson, a retired judge who was agreed on by the NFL and NFL Players Association. And they came to the meeting today. Rusty Harden, Watson's attorney, represented him. Jeffrey Kessler, who's has a knack for being a thorn in the NFL's side, represents the NFL Players Association. And everybody says Roger Goodell, wants it to be indefinite and to re- it be a, for a season and indefinite. Now, that doesn't mean he wouldn't reduce it next season to 10 games if he wanted to. But the thought is, with all these these accusations against Watson and 24 that files suit, and he reached settlements with 20, and his, his uh, lawyer, Tony Busby, said there's going to be two more. The NFL, I don't think you wants to say, okay, we'll suspend him for the season and then have a bunch more lawsuits pop up, possible criminal complaints, police investigation, grand jury investigations, and until they feel that the coast is clear, I don't think they want to put a definite number on it. And if Robinson were to say, nope, he doesn't deserve a suspension, then there's no suspension. There's no appeal. But if she says, to two, four, six a season, both or one side can appeal. It goes to Goodell or someone he appoints. And you know, Q, if he appoints somebody, they're going to do what he wants to do. So I'll still be surprised if he plays uh, next season. A lot of friends of mine in Cleveland don't think he's going to get the season, and I can't imagine why. And uh, But maybe that's the case. And i tell you what's going to be really weird. Like, this is my sixth show on Tuesday. I got one more at your old station. Everyone, I'm talking about Watson. And I'm happy to do it because it's such a a big story. But think what it's going to be like when the suspension is announced and the appeal is over and he just disappears. Then there's no reason to talk about Watson until they get time maybe where people think, okay, Could he be reinstated? Okay, he's gone six months without a lawsuit. Is that enough? But it's going to be a lot of dead time, and I don't know how talk show hosts like you are going to be able to survive. <laughs> well, you know, we'll find a way, John. We're going to make it happen. I know you've brought yeah, up this. Yeah, you, you can talk. <laughs> you can go to a cemetery and get an audience. <laughs> That's what I do, John. That's what I do. And you've brought up this point before that if he does miss the entire season, that's like 900-something days without him playing football. How, how, how much is that going to hurt him when he does finally get back on the field? 
also his contract tolls to the next season. There haven't been a lot of quarterbacks or any that I know of that have missed two full seasons. Now, he's young, he's talented, but he can go back back to Atlanta and work out with his quarterback coach, who's been his quarterback coach and close friend since high school, Quincy Avery. Mm. And Quincy can bring in all the receivers he wants to bring, and they can do drills where people are, like, pressuring him, but it's not the same. And the one thing, he'll stay in great shape physically because being able to maneuver, whether you're avoiding the rush or you're running, those are big parts of his game. And I think when he first comes back, we'll see him play more in preseason than any starting quarterback because he's going to need that time to get his timing down with his receivers when he's being pressured. And I'm guessing when he starts off, at Cleveland, where a terrible wind blows off Lake Erie into that stadium, that he will not be as good early in the season as he is later in the season, even though then that's when the weather gets really bad. <laughs> right, it sure does. No doubt about that. We're talking with John McClain here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. So no matter how long and how many games he misses, what's next for Cleveland? They have Jacoby Brissett, Baker's there. Is there any shot that Cleveland could – call up Baker and say, hey, can you play for a while or whatever? Is there any shot he suits up for the Browns again? Well, he said at that football camp in Oklahoma, basically that ship has sailed. You don't see, you haven't seen anything positive coming out of the organization about him. I've heard that his side thinks they've leaked things to portray him a bunch of different ways, none of them favorable. One of the things you cannot question with Mayfield is his toughness, mm-hmm. blow out his left shoulder in his second game against the Texans last year and continue to play. And two years ago when he was healthy, he took him to the second round of the playoffs. Right. And he, they've got a really good running game. they got a really good defense. Jacoby Brissett started his career 3-0 and against the Texans. One win for New England as a rookie at 16 and two with the Colts before he lost. So he's been with a bunch of teams, but he can win. He can move. He's a good leader. But let's be honest, he ain't close to Deshaun Watson. And uh, Dobbs is their backup, and maybe they'll look for another one. Somebody said Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, no, they're not going to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. So it looks like it's going to be Jacoby Brissett or Bust, unless they were to trade Mayfield to Carolina for, say, Sam Darnold, and then let Sam Darnold be the starter. Mm, there you go. All right, John, it's been reported that Daniel Snyder has basically just refused the subpoena <laughs> when it comes to Congress wanting him to come and testify. Is it just run cold here if he, if he just doesn't want to show up to court and testify? You know, this is something that you're never going to know, but Q will. When you got a lot of money, you can get away with a lot of things. <laughs> That's why Q's gotten away with so much for years. Is he's loaded. He doesn't want people to know it, but he's loaded. And you can go, Q could do like Daniel Snyder. He could go and he could take you and all the employees to the south of France, and he's not available. And what is the process server going to do? Come in on a helicopter, try to land on the yacht and serve him with his subpoena? Eventually, he's got to come back. And they're saying it's not him. It's his attorney. They gave him one day, and the attorney's not available. And Snyder should dodge it because it's a witch hunt. 
if you look at Roger Goodell's testimony, it was embarrassing the way the politicians, the Republicans and the Democrats fought during that session. They embarrassed themselves with a pathetic performance, and Goodell just sat there and watched them. They were much more entertaining than he was. And, and Snyder's not going to sit there while they bombard him with all these questions they've been fed. One of them last week with Goodell had no clue what you do about ousting an owner. I think it's a dog and pony show, one of the most interesting, funny, and pathetic things you'll see that these people are up there supposedly representing uh, our country, and they make such fools of themselves. So let me ask you this, John. What ultimately happens in Washington with this whole thing that's going on? One thing to keep in mind, Q, and DeMond, is this. A lot of people think Daniel Snyder should be forced to sell the team. He's not going to sell it. He's not going down without a fight. He's trying to get a new stadium back in the district. He's let his stadium go down the toilet to where their attendance last year was about 40,000. They've closed off portions of the stands, which are just awful. But you can't blame him not wanting to sell because his franchise keeps growing and growing. If Denver goes for $4.5 billion, mm-hmm. what would the team and the nation's capital go for, especially if they had a new stadium? So the NFL has to have three-quarters majority to get him out. Now, one of the things you know, he's been an owner for so long, he's got to know a lot of stories right. about his partners that they wouldn't want him leaking out. A lot of people still think he's behind the John Gruden leaks because he was trying to get uh, – get back at Bruce Allen, his longtime president, who he'd fired and who was had a grievance against him for money owed, that he leaked it. And so I don't think these owners would want the Wall Street Journal and New York Times to all of a sudden have stories that Dan Snyder knows about them. All right, John, and I want to touch on a story that's close to your neck of the woods down there in Texas. Arch Manning. He signed to the University of Texas. How big of a deal has that been in the state of Texas in general? Oh, it's humongous to mine because it's the University of Texas. And I just saw a thing about it, and I tweeted. They're talking about how great their recruiting class is. Their recruiting class is always great. They didn't have anybody drafted this year. Baylor had seven players drafted. And so I tweeted. I put a, I put a comment. But will they actually play in a bowl game. They were 5-7 and seven last year, didn't play in a bowl game. University of Texas, they got more money than any school. They got 105,000-seat stadium, a great city in Austin, a great state, and incredible attendance and professors, and they still were also ran. So by the time he gets there, maybe they'll be better, but uh, maybe they'll get rid of the, of the pole-dancing monkey and the assistant <laughs> coaches, wife or girlfriend, whatever it was. But they were an abomination last season. And Arch Manning, because of the Manning family, is bringing them respect. Yeah, it's so funny, John. It's obviously been, <laughs> been there so long. You know, I mean, how long have they been saying that Texas is back? Or they're trying to say that Texas is back, and now they're saying it again, and he hasn't even signed his letter of intent yet. I mean, it's just I'm, I'm not buying it until I see it. It's just there's been too many times, John, that they've gotten those high-profile recruits, and they've done nothing with them. They used to call Mac Brown Coach February because he always won recruiting. But then he won national championship, and he lost another one 
when Colt McCoy couldn't answer the bell at quarterback, and people stopped calling him that, and maybe Steve Sarkeesian will be uh, coach. Well, now recruiting so drawn out, right. it's not just one month, but there's so much pressure, Q, as you know, to win there. And if he doesn't make a bowl game next year, I guarantee you he'll be out. Oh, yeah. Coach's lifespan, there's two years, maybe three, because there's more pressure on them from those billion-dollar alums who are worth billions who who make sure they're heard behind the scenes. No doubt about it. Again, we're talking with John McClain right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about those Houston Astros. Uh, they split a series over the weekend with the Yankees. That very well could be a preview of the ALCS. How are you liking those Astros, how they're playing right now? Some pretty good ball. Guys, it was a great series. The Yankees off to the top four start in baseball history. Astros go in there. They lose the first game 6-3, and they, let, they blow a 6-3 lead and lose. By pitching Darren Judge, and he has a hit to win a game. Then they win the next two, including a no-hitter. And then the last game, they're up 3-1 in the eighth, and they lose on a judge walk-off three-run homer. And Dusty Baker, the manager, is getting a lot of criticism for pitching Darren Judge. They have a game Thursday here, a makeup game one day, and I'll guarantee you, if Darren Judge comes up with a chance to win the game and a base is open, he will be walked. <laughs> right, absolutely, or the fans will be rioting, no doubt about it. Well, John, thank you so much for your time, as always. Uh, what you got working on that uh, we need to be on the lookout for? I have been uh, tweeting McLean underscore on underscore NFL a lot about the Astros. I haven't tweeted much on Watson until it's over, and uh, then I'll be tweeting a lot about that. But this time of year, you know, teams are on vacation, but there's always news going on in the NFL. It's never a quiet day in the NFL, and the league loves it. Yep, absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much. We appreciate you as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you guys very much. I look forward to it. All right, there he goes. John McClain right there, the former Houston Chronicle writer, the Hall of Fame writer, been covering the NFL for a very, very long time. Next week we'll ask him about uh, the Hall of Fame. We'll ask him about Cliff Branch. We'll talk about Lester Hayes, the next Raider that I do think belongs, uh, have his place in Canton, Ohio. Of course, Cliff Branch will go in this uh, this upcoming summer. Excited about that. August uh, 4th will be the Hall of Fame game. Of course, that Saturday will be the enshrinement. It is the Hall. It is the uh, summer of Cliff on Raider Nation Radio 920. If you listen to JT the Brick from noon to 2, he has a lot of great guests talking about the greatness of Cliff Branch. So make sure you tune in for that as well. So we'll catch up with John and talk all things Hall of Fame next week here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Let's do it. I said we were going to give out some tickets. Let's give out some tickets tomorrow. Let's do it right now. Two tickets to WWE's Money in the Bank. It's this Saturday, July 2nd, MGM Grand Garden. You want to be there? You want to see that money in the bank? Show there what you think. 702-365-9200. Call number nine is what I'm looking for here on Raider Nation Radio 920. What does it mean to be a Raider? What to you, what does it mean to be a Raider? Man, being a Raider is not just being a football player. It's not about the, just the jersey or just the, just the helmet. It's about a lifestyle. It's about, it's about loyalty. It's about doing whatever you have to do to help your brothers, to help your family. That's what it's all about. It's never putting yourself above the shield. That's what being a Raider is all about. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Got to give a big shout out to Chris right here in Vegas. Got hooked up with 
pair of tickets to Money in the Bank. Shout out what you think. It's going on this Saturday, MGM Grand Garden. Enjoy that. Have a lot of fun with that. We have more tickets on the way as well. We'll have more Money in the Bank tickets. We have Summer summer League tickets. We have four-pack of tickets to Summer League. So we have all the hookup for you all week long right here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Definitely want to make sure you pay attention so you can get hooked up with some of the fantastic stuff. And I got to shout out our guy, Craig, and promotions, man. He comes through with some real deal tickets. It's very rare that a sports station has as many great tickets as we do. Obviously, being here in Las Vegas, it's great because there's a lot of different things that come to the city. But, man, it's rare that a sports station will have as many great tickets as we always have. I mean, from concerts to uh, wrestling events to, uh, you know, basketball, hoop games. I mean, all kind of good stuff we have tickets to. And that's that's a great work from Craig behind the scenes that's really doing it and bringing us a, a lot to give out. So we definitely appreciate him in a major way. Uh, appreciate John McClain who joined us in the last segment as well. And Raider Nation, all we need now is you. 702-365-9200. The rest of the way, we're guest-free, so you'll be the only guest that we have either on the phone lines or the Salmon Ash text line at 69187 keyword R&R. It's been a fun show so far. Uh, talked some Wimbledon to start the show off. Talked to us about Serena Williams, the, the GOAT at 40 years old, lost in the first round of Wimbledon today. Uh, she is fantastic. Just Father Time, uh, you know, Stops, stops with uh, nobody. You know, it doesn't, doesn't, uh, it, do, it doesn't discriminate. Father Time takes down everybody, and and that's just the result. That's what's the reality of it when it comes to Serena Williams. So saw her lose earlier. Talked some Ricky Henderson earlier uh, with Howard Bryant. He wrote the book on Ricky. Great stuff. I bought the book earlier today, so I can't wait to get that. And then again, heard from John McClain talking all things NFL. But one of the questions that we had, and I threw out there on the Salmon Ash text line and the phone line as well, is about the youth on the team. What young player on the Raiders roster are you most excited about and why? And look, there's some there's some guys to be intrigued by. Now, guys like Dylan Parham, who was the third-round pick out of Memphis this year, I mean, he's, he's a this-year guy. He's an offensive lineman, so I don't think too many people are going to get super excited about him, but they know that he could be a, a key contributor, right? I think everyone feels pretty good that he could be a key contributor. And look, the offensive line is going to need some key contributors. Alex Leatherwood, obviously uh, all eyes are still on him after being the former first-round pick just a year ago. Everyone's going to want to see him step up and show out and, and really hold down one of the positions on that offensive offensive line, whether it be the tackle or the the guard spot. Either way, if he goes out there and he does a good job, you feel like that offensive line is going to be at a whole nother level. They got have Thayer Munford out of Ohio State. They also brought him in. Zamir White, the running back out of Georgia, brought him in in the fourth round. Britton Brown, the, four, the running back out of UCLA, he was a seventh-round pick. Uh, Malcolm Kuntz, he was the guy that I said earlier that I was most excited about, the young dude I'm excited about because I think that he has a lot of potential. We'll see exactly when it starts to bubble up to the surface, but I do think he's got a lot to, to like, and he's going to bring a lot to this Raiders defense. Matthew Butler, Neil Farrell Jr., both guys drafted in this past draft by the, uh, the new regime uh, led by Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly and, of course, Josh McDaniels. So those are two defensive tackles that I know some people, especially with Matthew Butler, are pretty high on. Divine Diablo, that name has already been mentioned. A linebacker that got some pretty good burn a year ago. You expect him to get more burn uh, this year. That was a guy that a lot of people talked about. Trayvon Merrick, the second-year safety out of TCU. That's a guy that I expect to continue to get better and better. Tyree Gillespie didn't see much from him. And then Nate Hobbs, another guy that you saw a lot from his rookie year, and you expect him to get a lot better. So, Raider Nation, I would love to hear from you. What are your thoughts? Who is the young player on the Raiders roster that you're most excited about and why. Aaron hit us up on Twitter at r 920 AM and at your boy Q254. And he said, I'm excited about Trayvon Merrick. He really held down the safety spot last year, one of the most consistent players we had. Excited to see if he could take that next step and hopefully 
catch the ball when it's thrown right at him, LOL. And, of course, that has to do with that Washington football team game when uh, it looked like he could seal the deal with a game-winning interception. It would have been a pick six if he had got it, and it just happened to fall to the turf, fall to the ground there, the grass actually in Allegiant Stadium, and Washington goes on to win that game. That was a that was a big game-changing moment right there. Uh, it was so funny. I remember that game specifically like it was yesterday uh, as Washington was driving down the field. I know my mom texted me and said, hey, uh, are the Raiders going to pull this game out? And I said, I don't think so unless they come up with a, a, a turnover right here just because it just looked like the defense wasn't going to be able to hold them up. And uh, I said, unless they can create a turnover, I think they're going to lose this one. And, man, that ball hit Merrick right there in the hands. And I was like, oh, there it was right there. And he just wasn't able to seal the deal. I do think he's going to get better, Aaron. So I do think that's something to get excited about. Uh, Trayvon Merrick, I'm interested to see how he looks in this new Patrick Graham scheme. You know, he's not going to be the, the last line of defense like he was a year ago under Gus Bradley. They're going to have more of a two-high look, but he's a guy that's very versatile. He could play in many different roles, so uh, excited about what Trayvon Merrick brings in his second year. I talked to him uh, on for media day when I was at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. He, he came into the studio, and Damon, I mean, you heard from him then. It just sounded like he was in a real good place, really confident going into his second year in the NFL. So there could be some big things on the way for Trayvon Merrick, the se- second-round pick out of TCU. Yeah, he's one of those players that you don't name him. I'm sure like people, when they hear the show, they're probably not thinking of him because he's an obvious choice. But sometimes those obvious choices that we think, like him and Nate Hobbs, there's still so much room for improvement with those guys. And like you said, I do think that that confidence is going to be there. The secondary, I don't know how improved it's going to be, but I do think that he's going to have a bigger role. You know, another thing about Merrick is he's a quiet dude. You know what I mean? He's not like Jonathan Abram. When Jonathan Abram came into the league, everyone knew he was there, right? I mean, he was out there. He was very, uh, you know, uh, very loud. Uh, you know, he had the, the colored hair, the dyed hair. I mean, he was out there, and you knew that he was out there. Trayvon Merrick is just really quiet, you know, and he doesn't really bring a lot of attention to himself. Really, the attention he wants to bring is when he makes good plays, <laughs> right? So when he got the interception in 2021, that was the attention he wants. You know, when he breaks up a pass, that's the attention he wants. And, look, it's nothing wrong with being loud and letting everyone know you're there you know as so there's nothing you know against Jonathan Abram but they were just two opposite dudes you know one is very uh, out outspoken and, and that's okay and then there's one that's very quiet and even Jonathan Abram he's he's toned that back quite a bit you know since since his rookie year since he was talking about salmon or salmon or whatever the case may be uh, for hard knocks right I mean he's he's totally a different dude and obviously he's going into a big year as well and uh, you want the best for all these guys hopefully that when they go out there into training camp and training camp is right around the corner the veterans report on the 20th and the rookies report on the 18th of July hopefully when they're able to do that you'll see them take strides and take that step into becoming one cohesive unit and a really good team because if the defense could be solid I have high hopes I really have high hopes for this offense I mean I I keep looking at it and I keep listening to everyone who will talk about any offense in the league and of course everyone always talks about the Bills and the Chiefs and the Patriots not the Patriots the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I still think of the Patriots when I think of Tom Brady but there's so many so many offenses that are always talked about and then the Raiders are one that you know oh yeah and the Raiders they went and got Devontae Adams but I just think man looking at it that they have a potential to be a really really great offense so if this defense could take a step further than they did last year because they they did do some good things a a season ago but if they could take the next step 
and really being a good defense, man, the sky's the limit for what this team could do. I'm excited about the, you know, the, the chance and the potential that they have, but we all know what potential is. It's something that's uh, untapped, right? And so uh, we want to see what happens in training camp, preseason, and the regular season. Hopefully the Raiders are able to enter, you know, bring out that, that inner beast or, or that just that great play and uh, complementary defense. Just go ahead and complement the offense. If you can do that, you can create some turnovers, you can win some games. Exactly. You say that next step. And that next step doesn't mean top five, top ten defense. That next step just means average at best. If that if they're fifteenth, that's way better than they were last season. And for Raider fans, if you say, hey, they got the fifteenth best defense in the league, you'd be like, that's a good sign. Or the number of turnovers that they can create. We mentioned that secondary, Trayvon Morg. We want to see more because six just isn't gonna cut it. I want to see who's gonna have that. That season high for this team. He mentioned it, that first one that he got, you know, he kept it. Even him and Nate Hobbs, they're both saying, hey, you know, mom can't get the interception yet. Got to right. hold on to him. You know how your mom can get some more? If you just rack up so many during the season that you're just giving away to everybody in the family. <laughs> right. You just go and create some more turnovers. You got plenty of balls to give out. So we want to hear from you, Raider Nation. What young player on the Raiders roster are you most excited about and why? 702-365-9200 and the Salmon Ash text line is 69187. We'll get to your calls and with text. We'll do it next. Plus, we'll get to cover three. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. So I threw the question out there. Salmon has text line 69187, keyword R&R, and also Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. What young player on the Raiders roster are you most excited about and why? I said Malcolm Koontz earlier on the show. I think he's got a little something-something that he could bring to the table. Uh, I don't know if we're going to see all of it this year, but I do think at some point we're going to see it. Uh, how about this? Big Deuce hit us up and said, I'm looking at Leatherwood. He has a year of starting experience under his belt and now has a legit O-line coach and looks as if he's been putting in some work to better himself. So that was from Big Deuce. And I'll say this, man. Obviously, Alex Leatherwood is going to be a guy that's going to be talked about quite a bit until he's not, right? We're going to talk about him until we find out what position he's going to play. Is he going to be a solid contributor? You know, we had uh, Lincoln Kennedy on the show talking about him, and he said, hey, I was a big fan of Alex Leatherwood uh, when the Raiders drafted him. Thought he was going to do some big things, but there's a lot that he has to work on, a lot of technique that he has to work on. And I've been hearing a lot of reports about he's having a huge offseason, and he's been having a great, you know, offseason, and he's just really solidifying his spot. And I'll tell you, Ra Raider Nation, I'm not saying he hasn't, and I'm not saying he has, because I know from what I've been able to see, hasn't been a whole lot. And I also know from what I was able to see and I know of, as a matter of fact, it's hard to judge right now. In training camp, we might be able to start to see what's going on, but really until they're blocking somebody that's not themselves, it's really going to be tough. I think he has the tools. He said he's been in the lab. He said he's been in Dallas and in Vegas working, working hard. So that's great. But the one thing that Lincoln Kennedy pointed out to me and pointed out to us when he was joining us on the show was that there was technique issues that he really has to work with. And, you know, again, DeMond, and you remember Lincoln saying this multiple times, he's got to take like a boxing class, man. He's got to be a pat, 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 pat. You know, he's just got to be able to, to punch and get off, punch and get off instead of putting your hands out there and stay out there. If he can do that, then you feel like, okay, this guy's headed in the right direction. But he's that part of his technique has got to be cleaned up so he can take that next step. 
Yeah, did you watch that episode of The Pivot with Mike Tomlin when he was on with Ryan Clark and Phil Taylor? I heard a little bit of it. I didn't actually see it, but I heard some of it, but yeah. But one of the things that he was talking about, he was like, hey, when when, when p- players go to other teams and coaches say, hey, that guy, he couldn't do this or he couldn't do that, that's just bad coaching. So maybe all Alex Leatherwood needs is that coaching that Lincoln says that he needs. Because bad technique, that's something that can be coached up because we know that he has all the athletic tools. He does have that. And, you know, at Alabama he played multiple roles because he was very skilled. But I I say it all the time, being in Alabama, being in college is one thing. Being in the pros is another thing, you know. And in Alabama you don't have – Khalil Mack and uh, Joey Bosa coming at you. You don't have, you know, guys like that. You don't have Frank Clark coming at you. You don't have, you know, uh, Chris Chris uh, um, Jones coming at you. I mean, you, you just don't – you don't have those guys coming at you. You know, I mean, there's, there's dudes that are going to be coming after uh, Alex Leatherwood fast and furious throughout the next year. So he's just got to take that next step. I do believe he can. I think you bring up a great point about coaching. We just got to be able to see it, and that's one of the toughest positions to really break down and analyze because they're not – they're not popping pads. It's not like it's power blocking, like the power blocking scheme when you're actually blocking against somebody. You're blocking to an area. So, I mean, it's, like, it's almost like a basketball player that is, you know, going around a screen, but there's no screen there and there's no defender there. I mean, it's just going around an area that it's supposed to be at, right? I mean, you know, it's just different to when you're actually doing it. So uh, I think that he has an opportunity to take a second-year jump, and I do think the biggest key to all of this is, is exactly what was said on the text line from uh, Big Deuce. He's got a whole year of starting experience under his belt. That is going to be huge for him. That could pay dividends like it did for Colton Miller. But, again, you've got to, you know, hopefully he's been in the lab and he's learned from the mistakes that he made his rookie year, including untimely penalties. Those untimely penalties, those, those uh, you know, just shooting yourself in the foot, that, that you have to clean up. I mean, that has nothing to do with technique. That just has to do with self-discipline. You know, if it's fourth and one, you've got to hold your water. If it's third and two, you've got to hold your water. You can't have a false start. Third and two, fourth and one looks a lot different than third and seven and and fourth and six. You know, you literally take the offense off the field when you have a false start on fourth and one. The offense is on the field, ready to try to power it in there and get a first down and keep the drive alive, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, A.J. Cole's on the field. Or – Daniel Carlson's on the field trying to kick a field goal. That kind of stuff is what he's really got to clean up. And I don't care if you're playing tackle or guard. That, that's just about concentration. That's just about discipline. And the one thing I know, you could practice and practice and practice and practice and do a whole lot of things great during practice. But when everything's live, how many of us revert back to just what we know, what our body remembers? There's things and techniques that I try on the radio, and in my mind I concentrate on it, like, hey, this is what I'm going to do today. I'm going to work on this just to get a little bit better. And then all of a sudden when the bullets are live, all of a sudden it's just back. You know, it's like, okay, this is what I know. You know what I mean? It's because you don't think about it because you're out there just doing it. A thinking man is a slow man. So when you have to think about something, you're going to move a, a, a tad slower. So if you're just out there and you're just going off what you know, your natural instinct, sometimes your natural instinct takes you back to the bad habits that you may have had. But uh, I'm interested and excited about the opportunity that this young man has coming up in year number two. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, Gangster Raider. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? What's happening? I want to say um, Nate Hobbs is my young player. I got my, my um, eyes on, and I was, uh, was going to say Trevor Morris and uh, Malcolm Coops because I won two of these signed autographed rookie jerseys off Instagram. But Nate Hobbs is the Nate Hobbs is the one I really, really think is going to be a game changer and going to step up for us. You know what I'm saying? And also, I was thinking as far as the whole team as a whole. And also, also I talk 
of having an edge because Derek Carr got the chip on his shoulder as well as McDaniels having the chip on his shoulder. Another edge is that we got the element of surprise because nobody has any um, tape on this offense. You know what I'm saying? They got the tape on McDaniels' offense, but they don't have these actual players and this actual quarterback with this actual team. You know what I'm saying? Nobody has any tape on us, and it's a good thing we start off on a division game. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't have to, like, you know, keep – you know, you know, keep stuff close to our best. Don't want to reveal anything. We can let it loose. Game one against our division right Well, one of our division rivals. You know, what I'm saying the way the one everybody um picking up and finished ahead of us. You know, what I'm saying we can let off on them, and we won't have a nationally televised game till game week five when we play the Chiefs. You know, what I'm saying that'd be our first um nationally televised primetime game. Then we go on our bye. You know, what I'm saying so all the way up to our bye. I think we had an element of surprise. There won't be no real good um quality tape on us for other teams to study. So that'll be we got the element of surprise on our side on, on top of the, um everybody having a chip on their shoulder and us being considered a sold hall underdog even though even though we wanted to um only only teams to make the division I mean make the playoffs in our division and only one of the double winter teams from last year and we got better. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people forget about that and I think it's to our advantage, even though I think it's, it's the same thing is happening with Denver, but I think it's to their detriment because they got a brand new head coach, brand new quarterback, brand new um, system. You know what I'm saying? It's too much brand new at one time. You understand what I'm saying? And they come, they, they they weren't a playoff team to begin with. You know what I mean? So I think that's another advantage we have. And that's all I wanted to say, y'all. Keep it gangster. I'm gone. Appreciate you, my man. Good call, Gangster Raider right there. And, yeah, I think there's something to that, talking about not knowing what Josh McDaniels' offense looks like with this team. You know, obviously everyone has a good idea of what he's done with the Patriots, but I think there's something to that. I don't think you'll see much during the preseason. You'll see something that's very vanilla, so I don't think anyone's going to get be able to pick up on his tendencies. But uh, I'm excited about the potential. You know, you saw some things that Josh McDaniels' team's done last season in New England, and I feel like that was with a limited, talented roster. Obviously, you have a rookie quarterback, and there, there's talent on the on the team, but it wasn't the talent that the Raiders have. So if you're able to see what he was able to do with them and, and put them in good position to win games, I just think that sky's the limit with what he could really do with the guys and the weapons that he has with the Raiders. But, again, I mean, it's in the trenches. You know, the offensive line's got to be there, and then it goes from there. The, the quarterback will go out there and do what he does. I have full faith in Derek Carr to get it done. Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, I think you know what to expect from those guys. The running game. I'm excited to see, you know, what the run game looks like. Who are the main contributors to the run game? I'll tell you, the more and more, I think every day that goes by, I feel like Kenyon Drake's going to get traded. I really do. I know we talked about that last week about potential trades, and Kenyon Drake's came up, his name came up as far as the Saints were concerned. I feel like that it just makes sense that, that either him or Jacobs gets traded, but I don't think it's going to be Jacobs. I really feel like if one guy gets traded, it would be Kenyon Drake. And so I, I just, I'm kind of waiting for that shoe to fall. Not saying it's going to, but that's just, that's just kind of my, my gut feeling. So, uh, Gangster Raider, thank you so much for that call. I do appreciate you. Let's go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Talk to our guy, Ken in Florida. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, Q. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm blessed. How are you? Doing great. Hey, I just wanted to let you know I'm out here in Tampa, huge Raider fan. Been uh, born and raised in Oakland and moved out here about 10 years ago. So I listen to you every morning on your podcast, every night on this show coming home. So appreciate everything that you're doing. I just wanted to put that out there real quick. Um, other thing I want to say is, you know, Lincoln Kennedy, you know, I, I, I like him. I respect him. He was a great, you know, I would say serviceable tackle for the Raiders. But I just wish that he wouldn't forget sometimes that, you know, he was the ninth overall pick 
from the Falcons, and he flopped coming out. And, and he had some time to develop, and he got a great chance with the Raiders. I think he's been talking Leatherwood up a little bit, which I actually am appreciative of. But, man, this, this kid I think could still be really good for us, and I just don't want anyone to forget about that. Hey, that's a good point. That's a great point, Ken. Thank you so much for the call. No, that, that's a good point. And look, everyone doesn't, you know, succeed immediately. Just because you're drafted high doesn't mean that you're going to be uh, the best player. And, and you're right, Lincoln Kennedy, uh, he was given a great opportunity with the Raiders, and he took full advantage of it. So, uh, no, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. I'm interested to see what Alex Leatherwood does. You know, again, like I said, Lincoln was very high on Alex coming out. You know, he thought, hey, one, the Raiders coaching staff was high on him, and he saw something in him, and so I want to see what, it, you know, what it's going to look like. But, uh, no, you bring up a good point, Ken, and that's, that's what we're here for, man. We want to hear things that we might not even be thinking about because that was not even on my radar. But uh, good call, great feedback. We definitely appreciate you, and thanks for the, the compliments on the show and, and, and the podcast, man. And uh, this is just me living the dream, man. I mean, it really is. And uh, coming up in the next hour, we'll have uh, some sound from Good Morning Football, and I can't believe that somehow I ended up on Good Morning Football today. I mean, like, that's, that's incredible. If I had known that I was going to be on there, I wouldn't have uh, – I wouldn't have had the wave cap on. I would have let the whole country see the waves that I got, man, because, look, the waves are tight, but I was working on them then, man. I was working on them. So I had the cap on tight, man. People hit me up. Hey, Q, you always wear your do-rag? I was like, yeah, when I'm at home, I do a lot of times, man. I've always got the, got the do-rag. You know what's funny is I was at the house all day yesterday. I never left. I did not because I didn't go to bed till about midnight or about 1230 this morning, right? I did not take the wave cap off until I laid down to go to bed. So I had it on from the minute that I, I got out the shower and got dressed. It was about 6.15. I put it on. I did not take it off until 12.30 this morning. So the waves were super tight. I almost didn't have to put it on this morning after I got dressed. There. I mean, I did for, you know, a courtesy about 30 minutes, but uh, I didn't, almost didn't have to, man. The waves were so tight. I, got, I don't have too many more prides left in life, Tamon. You get my age, man. There's not too much to hold on to, but... I still got the waves. I'm still proud of them and go to the shop every Saturday to make sure they're tight. So shout out to my guy D at uh, In The Cut, man. He keeps me tight. I always, run into, I always run into my guy Mickey, man. We spent some time in the shop together on Saturday. So that's the place to go for fellowship. You know, that's where the fellas go to hang out and talk a little yin-yang, you know, and ring the bell. Ring the bell on them, man. It says something foul. Ring the bell. We got to get a bell in the, in the studio, man. When someone says something wrong, you just got to ring the bell on them. <laughs> All right, I'm about to say something foul right now. Ring the bell, then. Ring the bell on yourself. How much time do you think you got with them waves left? Oh, dog, I'm, I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, man. I, I know that, hey, look, man, the one thing I can say about my pops, man, what he had, he had a, I mean, he went to his grave with a head full of hair. Now, it might have been gray, but he went to his grave with a head full of hair. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's it's complicated. But, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he had hair, brother. So. Oh, Q, guess what? I just found something. What? No, nah, that's not a good bell. That's oh, not I'm a sorry, good bell. I found it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, but that's not a good bell. That's that's one of them bells. That's you know, that's one of those. Uh, that's a that's a start the fight bell. The bell that I'm talking about, you know, ring the bell is when you said something out of line. You just got to pick up bell and just just ring it. Like, come on, man. You know, it's it's almost like you're at a carnival or something. You know, not not a winning bell, not a fight starting bell, but just another bell just to highlight something. Like, oh yeah, that was all bad. That was all bad. You say something, you know, you say something that's like a dumb line or something like that. Like I did a radio show on Saturday night with this uh, with, with Harrison Sanford, and that dude said, he said, we on the radio. He said, we, talking about the Yankees. You got to ring the bell with that one. Salmon Ash text line 69187, six, keyword R&R. It's the Salmon Ash text line. I uh, got a text from Rob in Oakland. He said, I'm most excited about Hobbs. 
I see good size, speed, physicality, awareness, and ball skills. He's got the skills to create sorely needed turnovers through tackles, strips, and interceptions. I'm hoping, in capitals, Leatherwood comes around. I think he suffered from a position change, injuries to the rest of the offensive line, and what I think was subpar coaching. The front office and coaches gave him too much to deal with as a rookie. He cares about his performance and seems willing to work hard. Fingers across. That's from Rob in Oakland. He always comes with a good text, man. Rob always comes with the fire. Definitely appreciate that, man. That's great feedback. Uh, 702-365-9200. Who'd you say was up next? New England Raider. New England Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, how you doing, Q? Hey, I'm blessed, man. How are you? Well, hey, I guess I got to start off by saying congratulations to you and the Warriors. You know, uh, last time we talked, I was saying, hey, I think the Celtics are going to get those last two games. But you know what? Hey, you deserve it. Uh, I, you know, I got to, you know, you guys are the better team. So so there you go. Congratulations. Uh, I really hope those comments that Draymond said doesn't tarnish, you know, that well-deserved championship, especially yeah. for Curry and, and everything like that. But, you know, yep. uh, congratulations, honestly. Appreciate uh, you, appreciate from, you. That's coming from a Celtics fan, all right? <laughs> Celtics fan. Respect. All I right. respect that. <laughs> all right, but we, we can talk Raiders now. All right, so Leatherwood, he will be the one who I'm watching. Uh, I think this is an important year for him. I know, I know that's the obvious answer, but um, I'm really just excited to see him coming in more disciplined. Um, we're hearing that he's coming in lean, um, so hopefully he's going to be faster on the line, but – I'm really just hoping for, for, for that discipline. Uh, those, those full star penalties, we just, we just can't have them. Uh, yep. I'm never going to say that he's the reason why we lost games, but we certainly got a lot more penalties because of him. So let, let's, hopefully, uh, let's hope that we can a- avoid that more this year. Um, so that's, that, that will be the man who I'll be watching. There you go. Great stuff. Great to hear from you, my man. I definitely appreciate you. And, yeah, it's all good, man. I mean, hey, look, the Celtics were a damn good team. They were, and I was shocked that the Warriors were able to rattle off three in a row. And uh, so I'm always going to keep it humble. I was glad that they got that. But uh, please believe the Boston Celtics aren't going anywhere. They're going to get them some more talent in the building, and they are going to be a tough out for a long time. So uh, you've got a really good team. And, you know, the one thing, Damon, I had a I had a dude tweet at me while I was on vacation, while I was trying to relax. I had a little R&R, I had him tweet at me, and he was talking all kind of trash. This is when the Warriors were playing the Mavs, and the Celtics were still playing the Heats, and was and he was telling me how bad the Celtics were going to dog the Warriors, and uh, they were going to hold Curry to, you know, half his uh, average. I mean, just everything. And I remember telling him, uh, my only response was, well, I guess I don't have to watch anymore. I guess the Celtics won the championship. I'll just watch them w- play the Mavericks and see what happens from there. And then he hit me and was like, all right, it's the Celtics and Warriors. What you got? And I said, the Warriors in six. He said, oh, interesting. I ain't never heard from him again. Like, I don't mind you talking trash, but like New England Raider did. He, he called and was like, hey, congratulations. Like, just be, I mean, if you're going to hit me with all the trash and all the yin-yang and really try to get it at me, especially when I'm on vacation trying to chill, I, man, at least hit me back and be like, my bad, I was wrong. That's, that's the least you could do, right? No, nah, Q, you're too respectful because if I was you, I know you got a lot of DMs, but I would go back and find that guy. Nah. And I'd be like, hey, just ha-ha. That's all, that's all you need to say. <laughs> Nothing serious. No, nah, I just – I don't understand why he would send me such a book. I mean, it was such a lengthy message and broke down every element of how the Celtics were going to wax the Warriors. And I said, okay. I, I mean, I had no response, right? I mean, I, it was almost like you come out in the fight and a dude just jumps you and you really don't have anything. It's just like you're there. So he had, he just jumped me and beat me up, and I just said, all right, cool. Or I, you, have, you I, I was have done. a sports argument 
with somebody making your argument and they argument for you. Yeah. So what's the point of me even talking then? Exactly. Oh, I've done those too. Oh, and I know man. what you're already going to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Go ahead and have it, man. You can have whatever you got to say. You can have it. And that's what I did. And at least he could have done is hit me back and said, hey, man, my bad. I was wrong. But that's all right. It don't happen like that all the time. But New England Raider, I definitely appreciate you. Uh, Aaron hit us up on Twitter. If the Raiders have a top 20 defense, can we legitimately talk about the Raiders being a Super Bowl contender? I'm scared. I'm scared to be this excited Q. That is from Aaron. And if they have a top 20 defense, I mean, I think sky's the limit. Uh, again, they got to get to the playoffs. And once they get to the playoffs, I think you could have a legit conversation about anything. You know what I mean? But this division is so tough. I think that they have the firepower to get it done. That defense is going to have to step up and make some plays and really create some turnovers if they want to have an opportunity to be that real deal, complimentary defense that's going to help take this team far. That turnovers is going to be major. But once you get to the playoffs, I think, I think anything's a, a fair conversation. Look, the Tennessee Titans, and this is no disrespect to, to DeMond, I mean, the Tennessee Titans went into the playoffs last year as a favorite and beat the brakes off the Cincinnati Bengals basically, statistically, and still found a way to lose. And then Cincinnati ends up in the Super Bowl. So, I mean, you know, again, not taking any shots at Tennessee, but things happen. Once you get to the playoffs, things happen. And you can end up in the Super Bowl. So I, I wouldn't say that that conversation's out, but you got to get to the playoffs before you do that. One more quick call, then we'll take a break. How about my guy, my brother from another mother, Raider Rock in South Korea. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? What's up, Q? Um, just finishing up my first month at, at the new job, as you remember. Yeah, buddy. So, uh, yeah, once I get settled, maybe, you know, I'm going to try to see if I can get a pair of uh, pair of shoes for you out there. Nice. For you and Dave Monnet. Um, yeah, you know, talking about young players, not an obvious, but isn't Mad Max still young? Yeah, he is, but he just got a contract extension, so I think that we all know that he's going to be a player, yeah. you know. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but he's young, you know, he is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and for what I'm trying to say, yeah, he's got a contract extension and whatnot, but I, you know, I think in terms of the steps that pop out, I'm expecting that, that he's going to do better. I mean, you this is something you've talked about, yeah. converting pressures into sacks. So my expectation is that we're going to see more sacks out of him. So okay, you know, he's young. He's a leader, but but in terms of expectations, I'm expecting our young captain, our young leader, to to show a little bit more stats. Okay, so that's it. Hey, great yeah. call. Great, great call, my man. Thank you so much. Congratulations at the job. And, yeah, man, uh, any kind of Nikes you got, man, I wear a size 13. I'm good to go. But to Mad Max, and, and I'll throw this out there. Thank you for that comment. Max, Max Crosby is a young dude. I didn't put him in this conversation only because he just signed that contract extension. So I think that we all know what to expect from him. But when you sign contract extensions, then the expectations do go up, right? The expectations are raised when you all of a sudden get the bag. So, we could ask that question. We could throw that out there as we kick off hour number three of the show. What are your realistic expectations for Max Crosby this season? He got the money. He has 25 career sacks, 10 his rookie year, 7 his second year, and last year, 8. You know that he's got a ton of pressures. He's created that. He's got a great running buddy in Chandler Jones. I think it's going to have a lot to do with what's able to be created up the gut, up the middle, but... As far as just Max Crosby and realistic expectations, let us know about it. Raider Rock brought him up. Let's go ahead and talk about Max Crosby. Plus, coming up as we kick off hour number three, you'll hear what Good Morning Football on NFL Network had to say about the silver and black and the AFC West. We'll do that all coming up in hour number three of the show here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920.